0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: An impressive win for the Phoenix Suns in game number 81 of the regular season. 64 wins now on the season. And this one, Matthew, brought the Phoenix Suns to Utah to play a team that potentially could be an opponent in the playoffs. And if this is an opponent in the playoffs, it'll be an interesting series just as this game was interesting tonight.
2: Yeah, and um, at first I was like, you know, let's rest the starters after the first quarter. But once the Utah fans got into it, and you heard the crowd actually rooting on the Suns, I wanted this to be a game. I wanted this to end this way. It seemed like I got kind of out of hand where it was like twos versus threes where the Suns were shooting twos. Uh, the Jazz were making their threes. And all of a sudden, dude, here, come, here comes Mikhail Bridges. What <laughs> what else do other teams have to worry about? Now you got to worry about Mikhail Bridges at the end of the games <laughs> taking over. This is insane. Yeah, it's it's incredible
1: because, again, he's pretty much like the fourth, if not fifth option on the offense. And the Phoenix Suns, Executed the way that they always do in the fourth quarter. They clawed their way back into this game, being down by a ton of points. I think at one point uh, they were down by a total of 17 points in this game. Clawed their way back into it. And then when you start playing the Suns in that clutch time, you zone in on Booker. You zone in on Chris Paul. You know D.A. is a potential offensive threat. And it's Mikael Bridges who's coming in, slicing and dicing from the weak side, getting and ones and creating new memeable memes, as only Mikael can do.
2: I know, right? I mean, every great play he has at the end of games, that leads to a new meme. And he just yes. he's effortless with it now. And teams have to worry about this going into the playoffs. Um, and like you said, like Chris Paul. Devin Booker, you have to worry about them. They kind of just aren't even there when McHale's taking over. They're just off in the distance watching them take over games and finish them for us lately. And enjoying the hell out of it, too. So as we enjoyed watching this game, we
1: enjoy also the fact that the Jamsters have joined us. Thank you and welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast. My name is John, a.k.a. Darth Voida on Twitter. His name is Matthew Lissy, a.k.a. Ma- Matthew Lissy on Twitter. Uh, and we are the Sun Jam Session, a.k.a. at Suns Jam on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and give us a like, give us a follow or not, whatever. Uh, if, if you're not on Twitter, <laughs> not. Um, yeah, do, do what you do. You know, you do you. Uh, th- just thanks for hanging out. If you happen to be watching along live, hit the thumbs up button. If you happen to be watching at a later time, hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell notification button. And if you are a podcast listener, go ahead and give us a five-star review, whether it is on Google Podcasts or... Spotify, we have like 51 five-star ratings. We appreciate that. Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. We'll read it right here on the pod. So, uh, 64 wins now for the Phoenix Suns. 64 wins with one game to go. I'm drinking a nice ice-cold, teeth-cracking Coors Light. I know Matthew's getting crunked tonight. He's probably Mm -hmm. chugging uh, Jaeger Bombers, right?
2: That's the thing. Yeah, you know, I got to order order my six-pack of uh, gluten-free beer to get here for the playoffs just in time. Until then, I'm still working on my Cholula.
1: I'm ashamed to know you, gluten-free. Everything beer. I just said is
2: just totally wrong, right? <laughs> yes, it's.
1: <laughs> if anybody snips that, clips that, puts kidding. that on Twitter, they're like, "Who the fuck is this?" I'll have
2: guy? a Coors ready for. I'll oh. have whatever. I don't have that. Have right. beer.
1: right, I'm good. Well, crack them if you got them, Suns fans. They definitely earned it tonight. And let's talk about this awesome <laughs> victory, great victory, fantastic victory against the Utah Jazz. A 111 to 105 victory by the Phoenix Suns, capitalized by the fact that they outscored the Utah Jazz by a score of 36 to 13 in the fourth quarter, 36 to 13. But going back to the beginning of the game, I'll I'll ask you this, Matthew. Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, were you good with Monty Williams? starting the starters in this game.
2: Yeah, I was good with it. I think even if he starts them next game, maybe just a little bit would be okay. I know Mikhail will for sure. Um, The only thing is I was thinking after the first quarter, they looked so good in crisp. It looked fantastic where, you know, of course, we we're all a little worried the time off. This team might kind of falter to that. They might just end up coming back and just be miserable in the first round. But you can see they turned it on the first quarter. Everything looked nice. DA looked good. Uh, Chris Paul and DA together. The pick and roll are great. Booker, of course, is always fine as hell. Every every game, every minute yes. he plays, so don't have to worry about that. But I was a little worried when they came back in. I'm like, why, why, why do this? And then the crowd gets into it. Then I'm like, let's let's go, yes. let's, let's finish this off. It might be a playoff series. Who knows if Utah can get past the first round or not? Um, and Utah is like a three quarter team. They they play the three quarters very hard, but when it mm-hmm. comes to the fourth quarter. Suns take over. And that's what I wanted to see them do just one last time during the season. Yes, just one more, I know, right? Just one more time during the season. run it back time. one, one, one last time. <laughs> you
1: know, fourth quarter, Suns. Let's do it again just to remind yeah. everybody. Because there has been a lot of talk recently about the way that the Suns have kind of fumbled through these last games. And we said this all those podcasts ago when they clinched the number one seed in the entire NBA. Not just the Western Conference, but they will have home court advantage throughout the duration of their playoff run. When they did it at that point, there was about 11 games left to go in the season. And it's like, Oh man, like we're going to have this uh, discord where people are going to look down upon the Suns or be frustrated with their performance. If they don't, Go 11-0. I mean, that's just the way that Suns fandom works. And as you prepare for the playoffs, you need to strategically sit players. You need to strategically give guys an opportunity to uh, work on things in their game, pick out certain aspects of basketball sets and things of that nature that's going to allow this team to be more well-rounded when we hit the playoffs. Uh, that being said, when I saw that the starters were in, I'm like, okay, good, this is the last game. Because no matter what happens, you know, and, and that's kind of that constant – chatter of momentum entering the playoffs. Uh, Our good buddy, uh, coach Evan B from the he's on fire podcast. He said it very well. He said, you know what? The, the, there, there is no worry going into the playoffs relative to momentum because we're going to have a week off. So it's not like we, if we go six and uh, or or one and four to end the season or two and two and three, whatever that that's going to carry over magically to Mm -hmm. the playoffs. But at the same time, just to give us kind of a nice mental reprieve from any uh, frustration when it comes to their performance and how they're not completing games and they're not shooting well in certain situations and they're just not showing much, it's great to have the the Phoenix Suns come out and display their might the way that they did, uh, like they did tonight. And you're right. The first quarter they came out, they scored 30 points uh, to the Jazz, 24. They look crisp. The defense was engaged. They were causing turnovers. Uh, And then the middle quarters of this game, it was kind of a barren wasteland, if you will. It was they gave up 68 points. They only scored 45. And it was kind of like, okay, you know, this is again, this this game doesn't uh, mean anything to us in any capacity. So I'm not overly frustrated with the way that this team's playing. Let's just get through it and get healthy. But as you mentioned, Matthew, that Utah crowd is something that is a motivator. It's something that is uh, a frustrator. And when you see the way that they were egging on the Phoenix suns, you're like, yeah, fuck these people, man. Let them all go suck a boner. Let's have the Phoenix suns come <laughs> oh, out yeah. and, and blow them out in the fourth. Like they do, knowing that this team has an affinity and a, and a complex right now for blowing big leads. That's what they do right now. So if they give up a seven Oh run, all of a sudden everybody in their seats starts getting a little frustrated and, and, and tense And the Phoenix Suns capitalize on that tonight.
2: Yeah, you don't want them to really have the last laugh until the playoffs start. Um, When that last shot went in at the end of the third quarter um, and, you know, Book had to walk back. I think what was happening a lot in the end of the third quarter were bad calls. Book didn't get his call where he got fouled on the shot and then he got fouled or he fouled the guy after with kicking his feet out. Uh, I, I think he kicked out a little bit, but that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. How, how, what? that was such a, you're right. If, he yeah. gets fouled on the play. The first
1: thing, and, and I love it because Eddie Johnson broke it down. He's like, listen, he gets hit on the left hand. And then Booker's yeah. going down and his, and his leg goes out. And they called a loose ball foul on Booker. It
2: was, sh- it made There's no sense. There was no loose sense. ball, though. There was it no was loose ball. ball. He was shooting it. <laughs> Yeah, but they called a foul, Like, right? It was a foul for Book, and then he's just standing there. And that's the way Book was all game. But I just saw the way he was walking back to the bench at the end of the third. I'm like, oh, this game's on. Like, We're not going to just give in now. Now that the crowd's all standing up at the end of the third, they hit the buzzer beater, it's not going to happen because the Suns need a little bit more momentum. But also, the way Daniel House is was the way he was behaving tonight yes. to where everything he did was like winning the super bowl or something like yeah, he was know, right? celebrating after every flop everything he was doing out there and you could tell the suns were just so f- frustrated with the with the officiating in a way where they they weren't really getting into it as much like they would normally i feel like monty was doing a good job of getting in their ear but i feel like the suns kind of held back they did it quietly and silently tonight they just they came back and they just destroyed them because they knew that they could. And it was something that's like, are you sure you want us to do this? Are you sure you want to keep poking us? And they kept poking them. And then the Suns just came out in the fourth. It didn't even start to like later in the like five minutes, six minutes left to where cam Johnson came out of his shell. He looked amazing. He kind of helped the Suns get back into this game and finish it off.
1: Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned Daniel House. I commented on Twitter in the first quarter. He was throwing arrows around like he was Katniss Everdeen. Like yeah, he gets a three, yeah. and he starts like throwing arrows. Maybe I'm it's like, just
2: against the Suns. I don't
1: I, know if he does it all the time. I've never seen him do it in you know playing between Utah and Houston. And even when he played for the Suns, I don't remember him doing that kind of shit. And it's the first quarter and you were down when you were doing it. And, like, yeah, there was another play where he was just fist pumping. Like you said, like, he had just won the Super Bowl. Like, he, I think he thought a reporter was going to come out and ask him if he was going to go to Disneyland after, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that offensive foul call or something. I was like, dude, these guys. And you're right. Just, like, keep poking. And it was interesting because Booker personified it because there was a moment where I'm like, Booker's going to get teed up or thrown out of this game. He was doing the petty Booker shit where he's standing there waiting after a bad call, another bad call. And again, to that point, you know, the Phoenix Suns shot a total of thirty or I'm sorry, 15 rebounds, 15, 15 free throw attempts in this game to the Jazz 33, okay? They <laughs> yeah. more than doubled us up tonight. So think about that, okay? So there was a lot of petty calls going on, things that weren't going the Suns' way. And rather than allowing their emotion to dictate their behavior, in that moment, I thought – because what happened was I think it was Justin Van Dyne kind of threw the ball towards Booker, and Booker was going to – you know, supposed to catch it and then do the inbound yes. pass. But yeah. when he threw it, he threw it out of his reach, and Booker just didn't go for the ball. I think it like, touched him, the- though, a little bit. Didn't it, like, touch him? I like, don't know. Uh, I couldn't tell because it was on. Like, he just the- didn't do
2: it. I'm like, oh, he just didn't do being anything. an asshole right now. Yes. It was yes. that petty
1: Booker, I'm an asshole shit. And I'm like, oh, man. yeah. Like if he threw it to him again, he didn't do anything. Justin Van Dyne, who has thrown Devin Booker. he's d- He double-tecked him up against the Lakers last year and threw him out of a game in a big yeah. game for both teams. And everybody was frustrated with that. But I thought it was funny. I'm like, in that moment, I was like, okay, here we go. Devin Booker's going to get tossed in this game. And he didn't. And then you saw him go. And you know, shortly thereafter was the, the horrible foul that we mentioned er- a little bit earlier where Again, it was a phantom foul, and it got called a loose ball foul or a dead ball foul on Devin Booker. Somehow, Uh, it's like if it was a dead ball, it means he would have gotten he would have shot the ball, and it was a dead ball because you whistled the first foul. So, how does everything after
2: because he got fouled, he had to like kind of grab his well. I think Book did that just to be a jerk too, like which is okay, but which is fine. You can do that; shouldn't be anything. I don't understand. That's why these reviews are just a little weird because now you're and, and, reviewing everything after the call. I know, right? It's Which like how never far- happens for the Suns, ever. No, ever. Never. Ever. And, and you
1: knew we were about to get fucked on that play, right? Because it was a pretty clear foul, if I must say so myself. And it was like a seven-minute review, or at least it felt that way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. They're trying to find something to justify because uh, they don't want to – maybe the refs are afraid of the fans there in Utah too. I don't know. I Honestly, don't know. Maybe but, they're afraid of
2: Quinn Snyder. I would be, yeah, scared of that, dude. Yeah. I would be too. How he do people like look him in the eye and villain. talk to him? Yeah,
1: I couldn't.
0: There's like, no way you'd yeah. see hell. <laughs> like,
1: he looks like you know, if they made another diehard movie, he would be the bad guy in the next. Die yeah, that's Hard movie. what I had to comment.
2: <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> but in that moment, you saw Devin Booker and you saw his stoic face. And when they made that call, he didn't get upset, he no. didn't get frustrated. He went. He he put on this face and was just like, "Okay, it's going to be like that tonight. It's been like that tonight." It. Yep, he knew it. He wasn't surprised. And again, he didn't allow his emotion um, to dictate how he was going to respond. He let his game dictate how he was going to respond. Big Dick Booker. It wasn't the most efficient night for Devin Booker. He had 33 points on 26 field goal attempts, making 13 of them. He was 2 of 5 from beyond the arc, 5 for 5 from the free throw line. Uh, but, you know, when when everything counts, when you need Devin Booker to step up, you know, he was really key in, in this game in ensuring that his team was successful because, as a leader should, he led by not getting emotional because it was getting a little chippy. Javale McGee was getting into it with Hassan Whiteside again. The crowd was there. I mean, there's there's video of the crowd talking shit to Jay, Jay Crowder and him responding. And Devin Booker realized in that last five minutes, you know, again, I'm just going to go into cold-blooded Devin Booker mode. And as they start to uh, key in on me defensively, I'm going to pass the ball around and there's Mikhail Bridges to execute and to perform.
2: Yeah, and I thought Book was kind of just done after that call didn't go his way, which I knew he was sitting there are just standing there. And I just knew for sure that book was just like, this is not going to go my way. And he, he was right. He was totally right. And I was thinking, I thought he was done just for the night. He's like, you know, I'm done. I'm not going to even mess with this, but it wasn't even that it was just him wanting to regroup, you know, and into the fourth quarter, regroup with everybody, come back out, have a game plan and just finish this off. I just thought he would be done for the night. And I'm glad he wasn't because the way he was playing, and especially in the first quarter, man, I know he's first quarter book, but Mm -hmm. like, He's just so good. I don't he's know even what to say. Him and DeAndre Ayton and I. just wrote like so good. Like they look so great. I don't know what else to say because, I mean, all this MVP chatter. Of course, I just I think that book is right now. He's just he's looking at this as like opportunities to really and maybe improve his game. But just now he's just showing up and he's just finishing games. And he's just starting games the way he wants. He's getting even if he's double covered, even if the guy is right in his face, he's getting any shot he wants off. It looks a lot easier for Book now. Mm-hmm. And if and if you watch or even listen to the JJ Redick podcast with Kevin Durant, the first guys they said out of their mouth, the guys that they love to watch, is D Book. Exactly, it's like because that's he's, because he's an he's assassin. His game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Kevin Durant brought up, he's like, I love how he's like figuring out how to win games and stuff. Exactly, getting to do that. And that's it. Like this is very easy for him now. That's like what he's. That's what he's doing on the court. It's very cinchy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and one of the things that uh, I observed, because again, you know, I'll do it a little bit later when we do the subreddit stakeout. But Uh was you know one of the things that the Jazz fans noticed on the subreddit Utah Jazz, uh, they go that right there is the difference between Booker and Mitchell. Donovan has to step back for a tougher look. Book can rise up over guys after quick jabs. It's a little but big difference in these spots, and that's what you know. Devin Booker's elevation on his jump shot is elite, and because of that, he could shoot over over anyone. And that was the Daniel House moment. That was a huge shot where he had a Daniel House isolated about 19 feet from the hoop on the uh, left hand side. Jab step, jab step, jab step, jab step, jab step, jumper, and just sinks. Yeah. Him. You know, and you saw Donovan Mitchell have trouble in the fourth quarter because he can't elevate the same way that uh, Booker can, coupled with the fact that a lot of his shots were contested by Mikael Bridges. And there's, you know, that's the difference in the game is their fourth quarter performances between those two stars.
2: Yeah, Um and that's the thing is, like, there's still, like, even, like, the Ryan Rosillo's in the world where they'll choose Donovan Mitchell over Devin Booker. Yeah, I know. And what sucks is, like, they did it all year long until Booker had those two games that were, like, two weeks ago or three weeks ago where he was just a total B on the court. He was yelling at everybody, yelling at fans. He was going to concessions, getting a beer, coming back down, and just playing the rest of the game. He was, like, all the nonsense he was doing on the court just to get people's attention, uh, yes. right? And then now people are like, okay, maybe Booker over Mitchell. It's like, no, dude. This is the way he's been all year. This is the way he's played last year at the end of last year. This he's been better than Mitchell. I don't understand why there's a comparison. It's like, what are you waiting for with Mitchell? I know his thing with Gobert and the whole uh, locker room thing. They have a good team around him. It's like mm-hmm. there's no excuses to why he couldn't be. Oh, absolutely. Like he, he can improve this team to be an actual playoff threat. That's Booker. He's doing it. Of course, with Chris Paul. But still, Booker has been this way. And it's just now being noticed as a guy that's better than Mitchell, which is just insane to me.
1: Yeah. And again, I think a part of that is something that I've referenced in the past that bugs me about Mitchell is like you said, the way that he yells and screams and he chucks up a lot of threes and he makes some big threes and he's had Mm. some very impressive playoff performances. Uh, They haven't equated to series wins, but he's had some impressive playoff performances where he's dropping 50 something points and is throwing these dagger threes left and right. So again, when you look at his game holistically, you're like, Oh, he's more highlight worthy. I have seen more highlights of him. Therefore I feel like I know him better. Whereas Devin Booker, again, there's nothing sexy about what Devin Booker does. The real, the only thing that's sexy no. about Devin Booker is Devin Booker. It's a sexy son of a bitch. Okay. Maybe like people him. are hating on how beautiful he is. Okay. And I think that, yeah. you know, again, he's not going there throwing that now. granted he's, he's dunked the ball. A little bit more as of late, and we're starting to see a little bit more of that uh, flashiness, if you will. But it's just not his game. He cares about W's, and I think that you know the difference between Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker in the way that their games have been played, and the way that they're they've been embraced by their their respective fan bases is Devin Booker had to struggle through four years, five years, four or five years, somewhere in there, of just shit basketball teams around him, and he had to learn how to get to where he is. Whereas Donovan Mitchell came on a team. Uh, that was somewhat successful and instantly was in the playoffs and has had and has had success and that notoriety kind of right off the bat. So it, it creates a different complex, if you will. Uh, you look at Donovan Mitchell in this game, and although he uh, is loved by everybody, you know, if you will, he's not necessarily loved by the fan base. You know, 18 points in this game, seven for 21 from the field. He was 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, the team as a, as a whole, again, only scored 13 points, and they were 3 of 20 from the field. That's 15% yeah. in the fourth, uh, while the Phoenix Suns went 14 of 21, 66.7% from the field. But a big part of that were a lot of those empty possessions where Donovan Mitchell was trying to shake uh, Mikael Bridges, knock knees with him on one possession. Don't you fucking yeah. knock knees with Mikael Bridges ever again, Donovan Mitchell, you son of a bitch. Uh, and then it led to you know them not scoring on those. So, I think that w- th- that was a big moment and again hopefully some people stick stuck around on the national media level to watch this comeback for the Phoenix Suns and realize who he is. And I like what Blaze Megatron says in the chat. He says Mitchell is the empty calories guy, not Booker. So good yeah, comment exactly. by Blaze Megatron, one of our Elite yeah. Jamsters.
2: And I love how you brought up when he first came into the NBA, he, you know, he already proved himself in a way, just kind of like a Jason Tatum where Tatum came in and was like, "Oh, this dude's only 19," and then it was like 3 years later where it's just like, "Where's this guy? Is he even an all-star?" Now he's like an MVP chatter. So, maybe it's a situation, maybe Donovan Mitchell has to go somewhere else, but like you said, we'll talk about McHale. It's just when you have a guy like a defender of McHale on you the whole game and he can he can just make sure that he's on you <laughs> like the rest of the game. That's trouble, dude. I mean, even Booker would have trouble. But Booker's shot is so nice. He can get over pretty much anybody he wants. And speaking of the warden. The
1: warden. Kale Bridges, 18 points, 7 of 10 from the field tonight. Uh, You look at the fourth quarter. He had nine points in the fourth to lead all scorers, four of five from the field. Uh, And he had that and one as well. That was Pretty much the linchpin in the game, although the linchpin mm-hmm. did come on a DeAndre Ayton uh, fantastic play by the Phoenix yeah. Suns. You know, but again, you're right. You know, this is a guy who uh, I don't know how much longer we have to talk about his, a- his accolades before the respect actually comes in the form of a defensive player of the year. Uh, FanDuel, you know, like FanDuel always puts out some garbage on Twitter where they're like, you know, They'll, they'll put out like, hey, you know, offensive player, MVP and coach of the year and defensive player of the year. Tell us where yeah. we were wrong. Yeah. They have like Marcus Smart as the defensive player of the year. It's like, dude, like, like dude, yeah,
2: dude, like, come on, dude, dude, dude. That's dude. the thing. That's the thing, though, that everyone does. Oh, last half of the year. Look at this Celtics team. The defense turned on. But no, the Suns, just like Booker, Mikhail Bridges has been doing this all year long. Of course, there's nights he might take off. He needs a little bit of rest, right? Mm -hmm. He's not going to play defense like he did tonight at the end of the last five minutes, all game long, all season long, but he's been doing it consistently more than anybody else this year. Right. And when it comes down to the end of the game, he has that energy. EJ, said one of the funniest things ever he's like if i ever get stranded in the desert i want to be with mikhail make sure i'm with mikhail so he can carry me halfway through you know (laughs) because he has so much energy yeah (laughs) he played defense like he did tonight and then closing out the game with driving to the rim i thought he was settled for a couple of those threes no he got Mm -hmm. right to the rim and he had a nice dunk the next one could have been a dunk but he tripped over his own foot even though he got fouled i know uh it still ended up great um but the, the way he's playing defense man on these guys is and I don't know if you heard, did you hear him on Ryan Russell Yeah. Yeah. Was that was about that It was bit. great. That's me yeah, my really yeah. transition to DeAndre Ayton. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I'll just give my little thing. Um, but, so it was cool because I thought they uh, it took a little while to get into like some good topics and like. because yeah, it sounded it was
1: like six in the morning. And Mikhail was tired of shit yeah, I on like the podcast. Every time
2: he gets interviewed, it's like he's that like, for some reason. Yeah, he's
1: like, I'm tired, man. <laughs> yeah. He's like yawning on the Racilla podcast.
2: Yeah. And I just the one thing he mentioned, like Racilla was like, you always make sure like you you get switched off. But you make sure that, you know, to help and stay on your other guy. And you always know when to go back and yes. actually help, you know, you Luka Doncic or tonight like it'd be Donovan Mitchell you always know when's the right time to go back and help and always make sure you're looking out for that situation and again you know tonight could be the linchpin in that defense
1: defensive player of the year that fourth quarter could be the linchpin in a defensive player of the year uh win for Mikael Bridges you have the best team I'm sorry you have the best player on the opposing team trying everything he can just to avoid his team from losing because you know they were up huge going into the fourth. And he shuts him down. Not not only does he perform great on the offensive end, great, because again, as I mentioned, the Jazz were trying to take away Chris Paul, which they had a hard time doing. They're trying to take away Devin Booker, which I have a hard time doing. And then they give it to Mikael Bridges. He executes nine points in the fourth quarter. But then to have him lock down Spider Mitchell the way that he did tonight, like that is all you need to see. Like just that should be on his highlight film as they nominate him for defensive player there when it, he's receiving the trophy just show the fourth quarter tonight and, and that's why that's the why not it not even including all the you know as i the last podcast i read off the statistics of how he's played you know 900 more minutes than rudy gobert and 1100 more minutes than triple j and like you know i mean you just go down the line the guy's an iron man he brings it every night he brings it uh, with intensity, he has fun doing it, and he locks up these guys in huge situations, and that's the key to a defensive player. You know, Rudy Gobert is a is a great defensive player, especially when you look at advanced analytics. Uh, we know what happens in a playoff series, and you almost saw it tonight with Rudy Gobert, right? What killed them at the end of that game was the Phoenix Suns went small again. Now, they have DA, and he's athletic, so I wouldn't say really small, but, you know, our lineup is generally a small starting lineup. It is. And we kind of five-outed them a little bit, and then when he would kind of go to try to recover on on Mikhail Bridges in the corner, he would blow right back. That dunk, watch that dunk again. You know, not the one where he tripped over himself. I'm looking at it right now. That. Yeah, watch Rudy Gobert on that play. Yeah. He just beat. He's just beat because he's I'm too far away from the rim. You know, he's 15 feet away from the rim and Mikhail goes right by him. He can't recover that fast. And generally, his length will allow him to recover if he's inside 10 to 12 feet. But when he's starting 15 to 17 feet away from the rim defensively, you're going to beat him that way. And if he doesn't try to... uh close out and Mikhail. Mikhail shoots a three in his face. So that's where Rudy Gobert can be exposed. And you see him exposed in big moments. Whereas Mikhail was not exposed in big moments. He thrived in those big moments tonight.
2: Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. And honestly, that's the one thing that separates those two. Um, DA and Mikhail both. You cannot take those guys out of games. You can't play them out of games because they can exactly. stay with anybody. They anybody. really can. Anybody. And what Mikael can do offensively to know that, hey, I can go up at, at go bear which a lot of players probably would not want to because of the length it's like just it one quick move that keeps him off balance makes him almost fall to the floor that's what he did and it's like that's what takes him out of the game that's why I, when i brought up before with the memphis grizzlies it's like Stephen adams in a way you know he's a little slower right but he's not like a Gobert. but it's just like the suns can play these guys off the floor they can play exactly. these great defenders these great shot blockers off the floor because of how good they are athletic wise and how good they are defensively to stay on the floor, to compete with anybody that's there.
1: No, a hundred percent. And that's what makes this team so hard to defend for four quarters, you know, and, and hard to, uh, to execute your offense on for four quarters because they're so switchable. And that's what I noticed in the fourth quarter. You definitely saw their defensive intensity ramp up. You definitely saw them focus on uh, navigating the switches and doing so with the athletic uh, capabilities that they can, and you know, even DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton played some great defense in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, you know, he really did. When when they were trying to run that high pick and roll with Spider Mitchell and with Rudy Gobert, Ayton wasn't allowing it to happen. To watch. Yeah, he was fantastic tonight, and as you mentioned. Uh, the Ryan Rossillo podcast in which Mikael Bridges was a guest on, you know, one of the comments that he said on that podcast is when, it, when it ta- when he's talking about DeAndre Ayton's looming free agency, he said, my biggest thing is he should be here and the sun should do whatever it takes to keep him here. And you saw again tonight, kind of the reason why now granted, you know, the whole, the whole max contract thing, we've talked about it at nauseum throughout the season. Yeah. The market will dictate what his value is, but even the, given what the market dictates his value is uh, you keep him here no matter what
2: you do. Um, and Bill Simmons even talked about it like, hey, we can get another guy here that can give us 12 or 9 or 12 and 9 or 16 and 9, right? And just fit in this offense because you could see what Chris Paul could do, but that's not it. This is the reason why you keep him here. It's because of the way he played tonight, man. DA was just himself tonight out there. Yes. He was in playoff mode, but he was just so in sync and so quick to react. And his body movement went on his shots. So he had like the two really great floaters, really nice floaters. They weren't like uh Alfred Payton floaters, they were actually legit floaters where Chris Paul was set him up. That's like the new thing this year. It's so delicate, so nice, but even a lot of his attacks, his body was just forward. His momentum was carrying forward towards mm-hmm. the basket. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. There were a few times where he passed it out where he should just turn around And I know one time you're talking about for sure. Yeah, there's two times I saw tonight, which I'm just like that thing. Once that changes, then he's unstoppable because once he gets the ball in the paint, he should just go right up. Just do it. That's the one thing he has to do. Yes. Other than that, though, tonight, this is probably one of the best stretches I've seen him play at times during this game, like the whole season. Like he just he had this attitude when he was talking to the rest. It seemed like legit, like he gave a shit. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. the way he was tonight. And that's all it is. It's like he's just like, I give a shit. And that's the way he presents himself out there. His body language was great tonight, man. And I even look at his stats because I'm just in awe of the way he played. Um, But he had like the 19 points, 10 rebounds. But I mean, that's natural. But I just don't even look at that. I'm like, if he's playing like that and I could see his intensity, I know it's going to be a good game for the Suns all in all. It's going to be defensively and offensively.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're going to be highly successful and we'll go as far as DeAndre kind of allows us to, because again, you know, one of the biggest challenges that the Utah Jazz have and have had for multiple seasons is the effectiveness of Rudy Gobert come playoff time. And DeAndre Ayton, although he might not put up Joel Embiid-type numbers or Nikola Jokic-type numbers, he does what he needs to do to make this team as effective as possible on both ends of the floor. You see him locked down uh, in the fourth quarter defensively, as I mentioned uh, negating the high screen role and allowing Rudy Gobert to do anything because in those situations, if they can get Rudy the ball on the high screen role, even if he doesn't dunk it or get a layup, he's getting to the foul line. I mean, I, I think the last game that they played, he had like 12 free throw attempts in the game and, you know, Rudy, he got to the line tonight because everybody on the team got to the line tonight. You know, he had nine free throw attempts. Uh, but if you look at the fourth quarter, I think he had four. Um, if I remember correctly. Oh, he had six in the fourth. Wow, I did not realize that. Uh, but again, that's kind of their that that's how they try to slow you down and grind you out, is by utilizing Rudy Gobert. And the defense between Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre was just it was fluid tonight. It was like water. It was is like I'm gonna go back and watch that fourth quarter again tonight because Friday night, and that's what I do on my Friday nights, to sit back and like watch Sun's footage again. Uh, but it was just unbelievably beautiful to watch the way that they just they, they shut that down. They did not allow them to do that. So, you know, DeAndre Ayton, like you said, it's not always about the stats with him. His usage rate is far, far below that of Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. He is the perfect fit for this team. And again, you know, when the time comes, we're going to have to or by we, I mean the, the Phoenix Suns. They're going to have to figure out a way to pay that man his money um, as Teddy KGB would pay say. Pay
0: him. Pay that man his money.
1: Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> I haven't played that one in a minute. <laughs> uh, this is a reminder, r- r- reminder, Jamsters. If you're hanging out with us, a couple things. One, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review. Hit the thumbs up, b- thumbs up button down below. If you want to become an elite Jamster, uh, you can click the join button on the YouTube feed. Uh, if you want to uh, donate in the Super Chat, we appreciate that. We've got a couple donations. We truly appreciate that. Uh, it allows us to continue to make this fantastic Phoenix cons- Suns content. Uh, I had mentioned on a couple podcasts ago that I'm, probably going to be putting up this painting behind me, this acrylic on canvas painting that I I created as my background up on uh, eBay. Potentially, I had a bunch of people hit me up on, you know, slid into the DMs and said, Hey, I buy it from you. Uh, That's awesome. That humbles me. So uh, at some point I'll be putting an announcement out there as to when this will be going up on eBay for your chance to uh, have this original for you. Appreciate that. Uh, And then what's always interesting when you watch these games, is if you hang out in places that you shouldn't. The Sun's Jam Session Subreddit Steakout. So there I was, hanging out on the subreddit for the Utah Jazz. It's a grimy place, smells kind of funny. Smells like french fries that are five days old. And you noticed right away that the, 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 the Jazz fans understood what this game meant. Somebody right off the bat, Suns have nothing to play for, but you couldn't tell based on how awful Utah has started this game. And then somebody else said, playing to set the tone for the postseason. If this game meant nothing, three out of the five Suns starters wouldn't have even made the trip to SLC. And somebody else said, God, we play like a, a bunch of fucking bitches. Um. So, again, that that first quarter, <laughs> you know, w- we talked about it at the front end of this podcast, but this is, in my opinion, this is the big, the last big tune up for the season or for the postseason, right? The, the Kings game. We'll talk about that momentarily. Um, I don't know what we see from the Suns. I don't know how many guys they start. I think it'd be good for them all to start and then just kind of allow the game to dictate pace. Cause they're going to be off for a week. And personally, I want them to win game 65. I think that'd be fantastic. So, any thoughts on the jazz fans recognizing that the sun's had nothing to play for in this one?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. And it's, it's even more frustrating where, you know, this team doesn't. And you know, the jazz do, I mean, the jazz do, they have to find something. I mean, anything that's a headline for the jazz is usually something negative. You want to see something positive as a jazz fan and you're going up against the sun's team that should not win this game. Right. And shouldn't Mm -hmm. be playing their starters. It doesn't mean anything, but Mm -hmm. it does. And that's the way the sun's have been all year. the whole season means something to them. Unlike a lot of teams in the NBA. So it's very disheartening as a jazz fan to watch this because you're just like, yo, is this so the sun's even play the way they're supposed to play all game long. They just waited basically to the foot to the, to like the six minute mark to where they took off their pants and they're confident in their own speedos. And they're just walking around doing whatever the hell they want. That's the way the Suns were in the last six minutes. And you're just like, dude, like, all right, well, I don't even know if we'll make it out of the first round. That's the way it looks, right? And I'm not, I'm not, like, taking a shit on the Jazz or their fans. I'm just saying it's, it sucks to watch that. If I was a Suns fan in reverse and that Suns were doing this, I'd be like, no, there's no way we're making it out of the first round or even second.
1: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You know, it's, it's a confidence level thing. We've been on the other side of that confidence. That's, I, again, why I think that we have such a challenge uh, comprehending what's occurred this season with this team. Because of the way that the Suns have been successful, it almost defies logic, right? Like they're, they they do everything the way that you're supposed to do it. So when you're on the other side of that coin, which we have been on, uh, it's it's frustrating and you don't know what the future holds for you, right? And, and that's where this team is kind of at. And that's where this fan base is kind of at as well, because they don't know how they're going to perform in the first round. You know, currently, uh, if you are to look at the standings with this loss. They're actually tied with the Denver Nuggets record wise, but they must hold the the, the tiebreaker because they're currently still slotted to play the Dallas Mavericks. Right uh, now, granted both teams have one game left and if Denver wins and Utah loses that flips and Utah would have to play golden state, uh, which I think would be a tough matchup for them. You know, I think both t- both are tough matchups because again, both have the ability to go small, you know, but I guess my question for you, Matthews, kind of kind of has something to do with the next question or the next comment that I saw on the subreddit. Stakeout was relative to uh, Jordan Clarkson. They said Clarkson playing his best ball, going to the playoffs right now is exciting. Um, when he quit forcing the outside shot, he got his groove back. Love it. If the Jazz are to play the Dallas Mavericks, do you think that the Jazz depth and experience is an advantage over that that uh, Dallas team?
2: No, I don't think anything is. I think the only thing that can stop, and I've said this before, with the way the Mavericks are playing, I have him playing, if we're just going to talk about you know, the way Luca is just, he's unstoppable. There's mm-hmm. nothing that can stop him, really. I'm just saying, unless he's playing the Suns. I think the Suns are the only thing that can stop a depth, whatever you have coming off the bench, whatever you have starting against him, unless it's the Suns unit, maybe the Memphis Grizzlies, I don't think anything can really stop them, dude. Because I think this... This Mavericks team has a chance to be one of the tougher outs for the Suns in the playoffs just because of Luka. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I don't know, man. The depth, I don't, I've never been to believe in the depth. I know Clarkson, but, like, Hassan Whiteside and stuff, you can count on him for, like, one quarter maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, not one quarter because he doesn't play a full 12 minutes probably, but just, like, one stance, he comes in, looks pretty good, and it comes back in, it's like, crap. So I don't believe in their bench at all.
1: Would Are you excited to see that series when it occurs? If it um, occurs.
2: Can to say I don't I don't think the West is gonna be that fun to watch. Yeah. I don't think it is. I think I don't the think East I, has
1: better be a lot uh, of teams series. and storylines, right?
2: Yeah, there'll be like a lot of trading games in the East. Right now in the West, I don't think the I don't think the Suns will have more than a five game series until they go to the finals. I don't think it's gonna be that way. And and it could right. be the same in every other matchup.
1: I hope you're right. I hope uh, so too. <laughs> another comment about Clarkson. Clarkson can be ineff- uh, inefficient, but he's one of the most likable players in the league. Agree, Matthew? I Jordy agree. Clarkson. He helped,
2: yes. He helped he Booker is... up. Booker he on helped, that. Uh, he he helped Booker up? He helped, he helped Booker. Okay. There's a the respect there. So, yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I won't
1: say He's anything light. else. <laughs> Another comment. Anyone else kind of feeling nostalgic about Crowder? Such a good guy on and off the court. So
2: oh, that's, that's better than the last comments from last game.
1: Yeah. Where they were just. A hey, dist- tough guy or something. Yeah. You yeah, can destroy <laughs> him. I know. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It's like in the Clipper subreddit, they were destroying him. Anybody who's had Crowder on their team, they're like, Oh, I remember Crowder nine nine, Boss yeah. Man nine nine, um, and uh, so one guy they were destroying the sub the the Utah subreddit was destroying Royce O'Neill. and I only put a couple comments. You know, bench Royce. He's playing his ass off, but he needs more reps for his try for the playoffs. Uh, you know, fuck Royce. What's he doing out there? I mean, they was it was constant on the subreddit. They hate Royce O'Neal, and what I noticed about Royce O'Neal is a lot of the three quarter court. Defense, and it got me kind of thinking like, why do the Suns almost never do three quarter court defense? We like never do that. Maybe because Chris Paul's tired. But like,
2: I've always weight doesn't. I I think it's a waste of time to just bother someone in the backcourt. These guards are too good. Where it doesn't matter unless you're tied to Rome. It's it's an issue. That's not an issue for anybody else. You bring it up the court, and then what are you doing? You know, I'm just saying, what, is it, I got what does you. it really well, do? Well, I see Deep what happens at the end of the game makes sense with three, three quarters. But 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 nine.
1: I saw what happened to Chris Paul in the finals last year where they were picking up three-quarter and full-court the entire series, and by game five, you're fucking tired, man.
2: Yeah. Well, Chris Paul's tired, you mean, right?
1: Yeah, he will. He will oh, but it.
2: I think he likes those. Remember, I think he likes the full-court touches. Well, he didn't like it up in on them.
1: game six of the finals, I'll tell you that. Uh, Holly, who must be one of the announcers, Holly saying that it's a playoff basketball, uh, or Holly saying it's playoff basketball and it looks like it from us, but I sadly don't think it's playoff basketball for the Suns. This game means nothing to them, to them, uh, still loving what I see. And that was in the third quarter, but you know, and I thought that was another true statement, right? I mean, this wasn't playoff basketball, a playoff basketball atmosphere in my opinion, but maybe I was wrong.
2: Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm, I don't know with these games. All I know is I had a lot of fun tonight. Okay, good. I I had so much fun. Well, I I want to give a shout out. I want to give a shout out to
1: Coach Evan B. He's been on the pod before. He donated $5 in Super Chat. Our favorite Suns fan from the state of Utah. Okay, he lives up in the SLC. Uh, I'm ashamed that you didn't go to this game, Coach. I am. You should have been there. You should have been there. (laughs) You could have experienced that live, but again, we appreciate that. Uh, we're putting that to the kitty, and we're, one day we'll get Matthew uh, a tattoo of Cameron Johnson on his lower back. Please. That's the game plan. Um, speaking of Cameron Johnson, I did want to bring him up here momentarily and ask you know ask you a couple questions. Lights, Cameron, action. So between Cam Johnson and Landry Shaman, okay, these are our sharpshooters who will assist in having our offense. Continually to be, continue to be effective in the the downtime when our starters aren't in. Are you concerned in any way, shape, or form with their recent shooting? And I'll just say this: the last five games, tonight included, Cam Johnson from beyond the arc is six of thirty-one. That's nine, uh, nineteen point four percent. Landry Shamit's five of twenty-five. That's twenty percent. So combined, they are shooting nineteen point six percent from beyond the arc. And from the field, and, and their field goal percentage overall is 31.1%. Are you concerned at all about Landry or Landry Sham and Cameron Johnson as we enter the playoffs?
2: Sham, yes. Uh, Cameron Johnson, no, just because it's going to take time. And a lot of people are talking about, you know, how much time does he need? He needs time. He's still younger in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. I think maybe after another year or so, when he does miss time and he comes back, he'll be more efficient. He can help the team right away. Right now, though, when he's still trying to figure out his game and still proving in different situations on the floor, he's going to need a little bit more time to recoup and like get back into the flow. I think that's just something that's real. But he turned it on late in the clutch time, and like someone's even said in the... Yeah, there it is. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Which one's this one? Oh. You, Should you I read click. that one off? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Evan V says, I oh, thought you don't have we to read that. Guys. Oh, okay. It has here. nothing to do with what you're talking about. So, yeah, here we go. John Carl, John <laughs> Cam Johnson's rebounding was awesome. Yes. And it was. That was something where, you know, we talked about the rebounding for forever. And the last forever meaning the last two weeks, it just seems <laughs> like forever because it's like, is this going to be okay? With Cameron Johnson, I've always known like he'll be our power forward. And I know he could be that guy to really help D. A. with the boards. And he'll probably be the guy playing over Jay, I feel like, at the end of games in the playoffs. I just think he's going to be that guy because he can help grab those boards. And um,
1: execute offensively.
2: Yeah, and he did tonight in, in the clutch. He helped the Suns, I think, kind of get on a little bit of a roll there. So, sorry, uh, Coach. I read your comment that was up there. I don't even know what it was about. I don't remember. I yeah, blacked well. out. <laughs> well, I mean, Cam Johnson was
1: 3-5 or five from the field in this game. Uh, he had five rebounds as well. So he ended with a total of six points and five rebounds. Um, but he had three in the in the fourth quarter that were really big. The Phoenix Suns really focused after kind of being pushed around a little bit early in the game. Uh, they really focused on team rebounding. And Cam Johnson was a big part of that. So kudos to him for that. Uh, Landry Shamit, his shooting has also, as I mentioned earlier, it's been horrendous. You know, He was 0-4 in this one, 0 for one from beyond the arc, 12 uh, minutes played he was a team worst negative 21 and it's like it's not even close he was bad he just you know just wasn't good tonight and hasn't been good for the past like 5 games as i mentioned now again the last 5 games is an interesting sample size because this is a team that's locked up the number 1 seed they're out there working on things but again they're not necessarily out there trying to overly execute if we're well. they they're chucking up a lot of shots trying to save their legs trying to not get injured so like i understand all of that that's probably my my only concern entering the playoffs is just that. Uh, that these these guys aren't shooting with the confidence that I want them to. Because that's all it is. Like, can these guys make shots? Absolutely. Am I worried about them making shots in the playoffs? Well, yeah, a little bit because they lack confidence right now. They haven't seen the ball go in consistently, so they're definitely uh, <laughs> an area of concern. Am I right?
2: Yeah, you're totally right. And the thing is with Shaman, you you didn't you compare him with um JJ Reddick before kind of a long a time ago. <laughs> and when I used to watch JJ on the Sixers and I love his podcast and stuff, I always thought he just tried too hard and he was never clutch with his threes. He can never hit a fucking shot. Maybe someone can go back and look at his stats and be like, oh no, he was with the Sixers. He had some big shots. Maybe he did. I just remember watching him and be like, dude, this guy is trying so hard to get a shot up, and he just clanks it every time and that's what i feel like with shaman like some games and including recently where he just tries so hard he looks like the guy out there he's not he's in the flow of the offense but he's just trying you can see the extra effort right mm-hmm. it, like it's just a little too much a little it's like, too right, much yeah chill the fuck out just chill out man yeah because he's just putting too much on his shot and stuff it's too much concern on it and he'll chill out hopefully but i'm just i'm not i'm okay with cameron johnson it'll be fine are you a big JJ Redick fan? Yes. It
0: doesn't matter.
2: It doesn't matter. Gotcha. I was trying to. Th- I was trying to think of what drop he had because <laughs> I could always tell when you're about to hit one. I'm like, wait, which drop he's gonna hit right now? I'm like, we don't have a JJ Reddick drop.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're a JJ Redick fan. Um, but no, again, I think that he definitely has to oh, just up. gain that confidence, get some of the balance back. Uh, and and that's what I'm looking forward to in the Sacramento Kings game. I'm like, I don't care if the Suns, if, if Cameron Johnson and, and Landry Shamet combine for like 20 three-point attempts, just make 10 of them, guys. You know, make eight of them, make nine of them. Give me some confidence, and and in in turn, give yourself some confidence heading into the playoffs. Uh, let's see here, what else did I have in my notes on this one? Oh, this is a a drop I haven't played in a while, but. You know, Cameron Payne wasn't in this game. He said he got some rest tonight. So uh, instead of Alfred Payton coming in, on got some Aaron Holiday today, and you know I think that that's valuable. We talked about it at nauseum, and. Uh, just that nauseum, I guess. I wanted to puke how much we talked about last podcast, how what the <laughs> yes. fuck is Alfred Payton doing getting these minutes? What's the love? And even Monty Williams said in the postgame press conference, that's like he really wish he's kicking himself because he didn't start Aaron Holiday sooner. And the Suns lost that game against the Clippers, uh, primarily because of, of uh, Alfred Payton. Now, granted, yeah. Mar Lopez says Holiday was ter- <laughs> terrible. Laugh my ass off. And he was 0 for, uh, 0 for 3 from the field. He was second on the team with a negative 12. He had two personal fouls. But I'm happier to see him do that than, than watch Alfred Payne. As the McReady's says in the chat, he had one of the worst games, and I'm still super glad we had him over Elf. I yes. agree with that comment yes.
2: 100%. You could still trust him. And um, the only thing is, like, the past two games when Alfred was playing, it's like, see what he has, right? But how come we weren't seeing Holiday where he can get in sync? with these guys on the court or something, because I trust holiday. Like, I don't even care what his stats were. I looked it up. I'm like, I thought in my mind, I was like, I liked what I saw from holiday. A few, maybe bad passes. Maybe McGee could have missed. I think McGee missed time his jump on the alley thing, whatever that was. Yeah. Honestly, I, to me, yeah, holiday is, a guy I like to see out there. I love seeing him out there. And he had that play against Whiteside where Whiteside did foul him. He went up, and that's the difference between him and Alfred Payton. Payton will go in there, and he's like falls under these dudes, yeah. and he doesn't get the foul called. He just throws up terrible shots that get blocked. And um, Holiday is just a guy that can really barrel into guys, and he can use his body. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot more he can do, and I wish he was playing more often so he can get in sync because I, there's just something about him that I really, really like. And I think he can contribute not, like, at a high level, but just no, something but where he can fill a few minutes here or there. Yes,
1: And he and he can play offense. Was it bad showing tonight? Yeah, absolutely. But he can at least shoot the three ball. Like, Alfred Payton can't shoot a free throw or the three ball. Enough
2: said. No, no.
1: Dude shouldn't be in the league. You know, which brings me to kind of one of those uh, – a question for you. Did – did the Suns – did James Jones make the right move – by dropping Frank the Tank to clear space oh. for Ish Wainwright rather than dropping Alfred Payton. Now I get it. It's a healthy body. You're not going to bring Frank the Tank in there. But did he make the right
2: move? That's tough because I I was actually going to add Frank the Tank to see if he want to come on the pod to say hi to the Jamsters because I feel like that would be something that you would want to do, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like um, even though he's not playing, I always like to see him and Sarge together. I don't think you should ever break those two up. Like if you're going to get rid of one, get rid of both, (laughs) but I'm going to miss them on the sidelines, but for sure, I think, I think they kind of did the right thing just in case. It's like a just in case thing, right? It just sucks because that's the thing is with the Suns now, right? When these guys come in, and they might be nobody. When we got Frank, we're like, what is this? Like, this from the Hornets. Like, who is this guy? Yeah, what the is the Hornets. Former for National he, Player
1: of the Year with the Wisconsin Badgers, but he wasn't doing shit in Charlotte.
2: He wasn't. And now we have, like, the 12-gun salute or something when he lose, when he leaves. It's like, we love these guys. Is it 11 guns or 12 guns? I don't remember. Uh, but I was thinking, <laughs> though, that— Depends on your rank. Just like, yeah. And just like Tory Craig. Tory Craig left, and he came back this might be something with frank who knows he might be able to come back because i feel like these guys when they come in we love them so much we mm-hmm. i think the front office and the sand then the sun and the sands i do it too the sun's front office and our son's fans i feel like we communicate very well together where when the fans want somebody the front office goes to get them goes to get them right isn't that no. like the way this no is working? have you seen the draft <laughs> no, but oh yeah, the draft. I want no Devin one knows. To sell. Here's no Jones one Smith. watches college basketball. All right, that's different. But we want to be on. But we want to McGee. We we want to Tory Craig back. We got him back. Frank's leaving. And that's the one, the most unsuns like thing to do. Yeah. But then Frank will probably come back. I just feel like the Suns fans get what they want here, so he'll be back.
1: Well, I want a championship, so make that happen. uh Monty Williams on Frank Kaminsky said it was a tough decision for us to make but we, I had a good conversation with Frank and he was typical Frank. He understood but still dealing with that decision. He meant a lot to us and to me personally. So, you know, with this podcast, uh, if, if you play certain drops and things, you could get copyright infringement and, you know, not generate any revenue from ads, which isn't much anyways, but there's a couple of Frank, the tank drops that we've played. We don't get monetized for them, and we haven't had a a chance to play him because he hasn't played for a long, long time, but, We'll miss you, Frank. These, these drops are for you. And this one,
0: who's the cat that won't top out?
1: The message you're all about, Frank.
0: Right
2: That one. I love that one, man. That's one of my favorite ones.
1: Oh, poor Frank, you know, I mean, and like, I wish they could like, I mean, he is <laughs> part of this team. He's part of this culture. He's been here. He left and was yeah. in Sacramento for a preseason. He came back. Like, they should be like, listen, we're, we're cutting you from the team, but do you want to be like the ball boy? And just so you can like hang out and be on the the the, the side of, or be on the bench and be a part of the team. I mean, he is a great member of this team, and it He'll sucks to He'll be will
2: so. zoom. He'll be in a suite yeah. with Shakira or something. He'll be hanging out.
1: Now nah, him and Skylar Diggin Smith will be hanging out together. I just uh, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm happy because Ish Wayne writes a great story. Yeah, you know, a guy who like every g- guy who's been on that long journey played a tight end for Baylor, and he's come in and he's earned a spot. He had 20 points in the fourth quarter, and now he's been he, he's going to be on a team that's going to the playoffs and it, with the number one seed. Like he earned that poor Frank got hurt and it just, it sucks not to have him, but at the same time, like ish is a better, in my opinion, ish is a better addition to this roster. Even if we had a Frank who was healthy because we have depth at center and because Frank is not a great defensive four in any, uh, uh, any way you slice and dice it. Whereas at least Ish Wainwright gives you some physicality and some defensive flexibility that makes him, uh, productive, but you know, yeah no good says in the chat frank should travel the team they should give him seats behind the bench they should man i mean do that yeah be a bees can frank be a part-time coach
2: this doesn't happen with any other team i don't think this ever happens with any other team it's just a i'm sure
1: it does i'm sure it does i don't know man it it doesn't happen to us because we don't go to the playoffs we're not used to it it, so yeah uh all right well let's let's hand it out (laughs)
2: Jam
1: star of the game. It's like it's tough after talk all about Frank to you know put on something joyous. But jam star of the game time. Let us know in the chat who your jam star of the game is. Subscribe, rate, review, hit the thumbs up button on YouTube. Yada yada yada. Matthew, who's your jam star of the
2: game? It's Booker because he's really good. You know what I was thinking about tonight? I remember like, sitting on the couch with you watching games when we lived together, and just uh-huh. Booker would jump up from three and just knock down a shot. And be like, oh, he's so good. We yeah. should just say that to each other. He's so yeah. good. Yeah. It's like he's yeah. so good. He's, he's hard. Him or, him or Mikhail, but well, I'm going to go with Devin Booker.
1: Yeah. You're getting a lot of Mikhail and Devin mm-hmm. Booker uh, props in this game. Um, as I talk, Matthew, you can click all those. Uh, Chris Paul had a decent game, too. Seven for 11 from the field, 16 points, 16 assists from the point god. I think that. You know, he was really effective in that fourth quarter as well. He had six points and had five assists. So, I mean, he'll, he'll get the uh, – he's earned his drop. I don't know if he's earned the jam star of the game, but I think that he was definitely someone that we, we didn't talk about tonight, you know, 16 to 16. But I think McHale, just for that fourth quarter, was fantastic. Devin Booker, again, props to him for keeping his cool. And for staying focused and not let his emotion dictate uh, how he was going to play. And he used it as a fuel to just shut that crowd up. I mean, there were so many fans in that game who you could see were talking shit and enjoying themselves. And it's like, God, I wish that I could have watched all of their faces at the end of that game. Um, so that's that. <laughs> Next up for the Phoenix Suns, the <laughs> Sacramento Kings, the last <laughs> game of the season. Game number 80. What's so funny? Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, did you say watch there or watch them? Both. I want to watch their face and then watch them.
1: Oh, okay. okay. Wax on, (laughs) wax off. Uh, Next up for the Suns, last game of the season, home game against the Kings. I believe it's at 630, I want to say, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's the one game that's been like a TBD, uh, but it's official. It's going to be 630 on Sunday against the Kings. Uh, What are you looking for, if anything, in this game, Matthew?
2: I'm actually 65 wins would be nice. Yes, Right? right? Well, what was the percentage 65 wins to win a championship? 65 64, right? Yeah,
1: 64 of the four teams that have finished the season 64 with 64 wins and uh, what's the math on that? 17 losses, 18 losses, 18, 17, 18, 64 and 18. Uh, all four of those teams didn't win the finals. When you got to 65, three of the four teams that finished 65 and 17 have won the finals. So let's right, go let's get 65. 65, baby. Let's get it. But now remember, the last time we played the Kings, remember how horrible the refereeing was? That was a Sunday as well. That was like a 1 o'clock Sunday game, and that was some of the worst refereeing I've seen all season. I've seen some bad refereeing.
2: Well, but this last game was really bad. I think we've had a few really terrible ones. We're due for a good one, right? Just let our bench get in there and get some respect. (laughs) Amen.
1: Amen. Are you worried at all about the the free throw discrepancy that has occurred with the Phoenix Suns? Because – the opposition, I think after tonight on the entire season for the Suns, the, the opposition has like 200 more free throw attempts than the Suns do this year.
2: That's it makes kind of sense a, to That's me. kind of crazy. It- it is it is crazy, but I mean you have to think about it, dude. Uh, Aiden never gets to the line. He doesn't. Chris Paul never goes to the line anymore, right? He never draws a foul. True. He does a rip-through. He does a rip throughs when it's when it's there, but he never gets to the line. Booker's the only one, and now McHale's doing a lot where they get into the rim. But Booker's been doing that, but McHale's the only other guy that's kind of tried to do that. And then Cameron Johnson's trying to, but we don't have guys other than shooting the three, like a Jay Crowder, drawing a foul they don't get to yeah. the line they just don't and it's not like of course we have the games where the refs suck but it's not a thing where i just i've we, so i've talked about it before where i just don't think the Suns can draw fouls like the Giannis or a lot of the big men in the, in the league so they need that for mate next year for sure that needs to be definitely something that he improves on
1: yeah it's just it's so important come playoff time to have the ability to get it to is. the line because you know that's an opportunity for free points and the Suns as a team when you look at their free throw percentage. You know, they're they're not as good as they were last year. They're 79.7. They're seventh in the league when it comes to their free throw percentage, but they also attempt the 27th most free throws uh, a game. So interesting there. Um, Matthew, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here tonight?
2: No, uh, I just like Quinn starters. Quinn Snyder actually looked really good tonight. I thought he uh, had the GQ man of the year look other than his. He looked like he was on heroin before, so he looks <laughs> a lot better. I'm glad he, he must have went to rehab or
1: something. So. <laughs> That's about it. Uh, the only thing I want to bring up is I went to opening day last night uh, for the oh, Arizona nice. Diamondbacks. Yeah. Um, no flyover. I've been going to opening day at the Diamondbacks for years with my mom. You know, I I, I know I posted a picture <laughs> on Twitter. I wear my Dodger gear. Everyone gives me shit. And no, no, that's okay. My mom loves her Diamondbacks. <laughs> and we go and we, you know, we, we sat. We had nice seats. We're all excited. Everyone, I was down kind of around the Padre people because we we're behind the Padres dugout. And everyone's all excited. And, like, they didn't bring out a big American flag. And I know they they've brought out a big American flag before because my mom and I have been on the field and we've been the people who like stretch that's, out the flag on opening day. They do the, every team does that. Every team
2: does that. Is that how bad they are this year? They just I don't get, have the money or they don't care. They, they marched
1: out, you know, the 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 four guys with the flag, you know, and sang the national anthem. Some guy started chanting "Let's go, Brandon," uh, and he was yelling "Fuck Joe Biden," and then like he got booted out. It's like everyone's like, "Shut the fuck up, dude! It's a baseball game, you know." Some. 21-year-old kid with, like, that's an American... Crazy. Yeah, he's oh. just... You know, he was down there, and he was just being a jackass, and it wasn't even his seats. He got kicked out, and then the his seats were, like, the where the San Diego Padres owner was sitting. Uh-huh. But he was down there. He was like, USA! USA! Fuck Joe Biden! Everyone's just like, fuck you, dude. Like, we're here to watch a baseball game. You know, that's the
2: problem with the youth of America these days, man. That's weird. Man. I you didn't know? expect that at a Max game. I Plus, it's like Me neither! I, I, would expect the, I would expect all of that for opening day, but... Yeah, no flyover. None. Did you stay the whole game, though, for the home run? No. One excitement?
1: My my mom and I left in the eighth inning because we were tired, and who cares? And then, of course, the guy whose last name is Beer, who I was talking about the whole night, I'm like, if if he hits a home
2: run, man, you got to chug a beer, and he hits a walk-off. Yeah. Like, Jesus. (laughs) You left in the eighth. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm taking... uh, uh stephanie and i are gonna take the kids my nice. niece nephew to their first baseball game and i'm they like been? i'm like eric no i'm like eric do you know what baseball is He's like no i'm like have you ever watched baseball i like no i'm like oh dude this is gonna be interesting oh, so yeah. it's his first time I've ever watching. when are you guys going game, tuesday night nice
1: you know where i'll be on tuesday night the first night of the play-in tournament spokane washington
2: what for what
1: work work sending me up there for a week
2: Oh, my God, dude. Uh,
1: just a week. Just a week.
2: Okay, just a week. I like just how we're... Are we on air still? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and thank
1: you, Jamsters, for joining the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow the show at Suns Jam. You can follow me at Darth Voidy. You can follow him. I'm Matthew Blissey. And that's all I got. We'll see you on Sunday after the Suns finish their season. Yeah, go ahead. Regular season. <laughs> there are no flyovers in this state. It's
2: bullshit.